Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen, and it's my privilege to host this show. And, and I just want to thank you for joining us, and I'd like to take this time to give a special thanks to all of our viewers and supporters who keep us in your prayers and who encourage us by email or by telephone, in which we do get the encouraging ones, and we're grateful to you all. We have viewers from Florida up to the Northwest who encourage us through your telephone calls and emails, and we're so grateful that God has blessed us with this privilege of show, sharing his true gospel in this culture. You know, last week our guest was uh, Shiloh Jessup, and he was here uh, telling his story of being raised in the all-red polygamy group, but as a young teenager, he listen, listened to Christian radio and listened to Christian music, and they taught him biblical truths that were so different than the Mormon fundamentalist beliefs that he had been raised with, and uh, their salvation by being in the polygamy group or being in polygamy to a decision that he fully and completely trusted biblical uh, Christianity, uh, the Jesus of the Bible instead of the polygamy doctrine. And his story was a story that we are going to continue tonight, and he's with us again tonight. He, and so I'd like to welcome and thank you for coming again, Shiloh Jessup. Thank you. It's good to be here. And it was good to have you last week, and it's good to have you here again tonight. But the untold part of your story is also here tonight, uh, and that is his wife, Kimberly. Uh, they were not married at the time, but she played a huge part in Shiloh's discipleship into Christianity. She answered many questions. She came alongside him and gave him Bible study and just patiently worked through all of the doctrines that he was dealing with. And so to hear more of their story, I would like to introduce Kimberly Jessup. Thank you. Mrs. Shiloh, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming and sharing your evening and sharing your story with our viewers. It's a, it's a very, I think it's an important story. One of the most important steps in becoming a Christian and then becoming a strong Christian in an anti-biblical and an anti-Christian culture, which we are in here, is discipleship. Before he ascended, uh, into heaven after his resurrection, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and I'm going to quote, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this isn't a suggestion from Jesus. This is a commandment that Jesus told all uh, his disciples, which are all born-again biblical Christians, that we are to go and make disciples. That's what you did. You worked in that area. Uh, in other words, every Christian out there should be reaching out to new Christians and non-believers with the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So tonight we're going to talk about how you, Kimberly, first met Shiloh, and, and how you reached out to him. But Shiloh, I want to ask you, I want to ask you a couple of questions before uh, we ask her to tell her story. How much of an impact 
was Kimberly and uh, in your journey, and how important uh, do you place her role in helping you through the tough journey, moving from from false doctrine into biblical doctrine? Oh, very important. She she played a, a huge role, um, as did the rest of our, our community, New Community Church. Um, I had. I had already come to know Jesus in a new way, to have that, that relationship, to believe in salvation by grace. Um, but I think that got me maybe salvation in heaven, but there were a lot of things that God wanted to save me from here, uh, and still does, mm-hmm, for that sure. matter. Um, but it's not enough to just have Jesus then. He wants it to be on earth as it is in heaven, and He didn't leave us alone. He left His community. The, the body of Christ is all believers mm-hmm. um, who are there for us. And until I had that, until I had a community of people who could disciple me, um, somebody to talk to about these things, uh, I really was blocked. In, mm-hmm. um, and I still was, was set in some of those old ways right. that uh, although I had a new relationship with Him, I didn't understand completely how much freedom there was available. And we have, coming out from that kind of a system, a belief system, we have what I call filters. And it seems like everything is going, all the new information we're getting from the Bible and from Christians is filtered through that polygamy filter, so to speak, the doctrinal, which is actually Mormon doctrine. And and so it's kind of hard to separate out truth from error at first. Oh, absolutely. And that's why it's so important to have someone to help you. Absolutely. My worldview was, was, it it had been changed, but... um, all of my experience was still from behind this right. worldview, so I was still th- seeing through things through that filter, uh-huh. and um, I, I, I try to change my filter daily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and we, God we still it. <laughs> we continue need to we continue need to and have a biblical worldview because that's the safest and the only true way. How did you meet Kimberly? Um, through mutual friends, I had I had heard her name. Um, she had she had been in Utah. Um, each summer when she was at college, uh, helping out with the church there. And she had ended up meeting, uh, meeting some of my friends. Um, and one, one day I was, I was driving along and I, I talked to my friend and I said, well, what did you do this summer? And she said, well, it was really cool. We, we went to California and met this Christian girl named Kimberly Bell. And I never forgot the name Kimberly Bell. And I said, Christian, I wish I had Christian <laughs> friends. Because <laughs> oh. I was listening to the radio. I, I had this, this, yeah, this great nice. relationship with Christ, but I wanted to know other born-again Christians. I considered myself a born-again Christian, and I wanted to know others. Yeah. Um, so by the, after she moved here, uh, that mutual friend is actually who invited us both to uh, the BYU Museum of Art, a uh, Carl Block exhibit. Um, so I said, sure, I guess I'll go and, and see what it's like. And Kimberly was there. We met and hit it off immediately. That we was became just, that best was friends. It. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, Kimberly, obviously God's design isn't for people just to get saved and then be dropped like a hot tomato, or t- yes. potato, or tomato <laughs> too. Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> a little tongue-tied tonight. But, and you know, there, there are times when they actually get lost through the cracks, it seems, because there's not someone out there to reach out to them. Uh, he, he designed discipleship. So let's hear your side of the story. You met him. Uh, you, you obviously saw his need. You, you connected right there, and you saw his need. He asked you questions or whatever. How did that happen? How did you... You know, I, I really modeled um, my life after Jesus' ministry with the woman at the well. That was a relational ministry. He went out there, um, took, I guess what we would call a leap of faith, um, to talk to this woman, and really confronted her where she was at, but in a way that was so loving and understanding. It was through relationship that that woman came to Jesus, and mm-hmm. I understood from that story has always spoken to me, and I understood from that moment that I needed to build relationships with people to understand what their needs were. I can't make assumptions. Mm-hmm. And so um, sure. as soon as I met Shiloh, I had already had a context of 
what Mormonism was. Um, I had several Mormon friends, and at that point I'd actually met a lot of um, people within his group that were polygamists, and we were good enough friends. They trusted me enough that we could talk about deep issues, mm -hmm. about theology and doctrine and all sorts of things. So I kind of had some groundwork to be able to relate to Shiloh and um, what he was going through. And that, that's important. You said trust. There, that tr Building trust between you two and between you and his people yes. is so important. And another thing that's, that's so important is as you work th with them, the judgmental attitude can't be there. You can't yes. judge. You can't be there. You're there to help him grow in the Christian doctrine, not be a judge. You know, Very point so. your fingers yes. and yell and scream at him. You can't do that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. When you're talking to somebody who has a different worldview than you do, um, you have two options. Either you can help them change their worldview, or you can come alongside them and say, from your worldview, I'm understanding it. I'm seeking to understand it from your point of view then let's go in this direction or let's explore this or mm -hmm. let's let's get together but if you go head on yeah. um it's usually just going to be met with resistance yeah. mm -hmm. and yeah. kimberly didn't do that she didn't come at me telling me all the things that were wrong um we found a lot of common ground we said uh, i like the bible you like the bible let's study the bible yeah, yeah. and, and um, that's where it starts because the change comes from god who is living within yes. um, the born-again christian Okay, you, as we were talking about this, Shiloh, you, uh, or Kimberly, you said that neither of you had anything that you had to prove to each other. Yes. And that made it an easy relationship and easy for you to teach, so to speak, mm -hmm. to teach him the biblical uh, truths. So you became real good friends. So just tell us step by step how all this, you know, how you worked with him, how the questions he had, how you answered, how he responded, and just... Take some time and tell us how it all came about. Yeah, well, he he was unique. Um, I mean, at that point, I had interacted enough with the culture here in Utah that I, I mean, not all Mormons think alike, but you kind of understand how their doctrine is shaped. But Shiloh was different than any other Mormon because <laughs> he obviously already had a relationship with Jesus. And so it gave us a lot to talk about because I had a lot of questions. I was like, wait, so if you believe this, and how can you believe this? And he said the same thing to me. Well, if you believe this, how can you believe this? And um, I think one of the main reasons that we didn't feel like we had anything to prove is, I mean, for one thing, we knew that we were coming from opposite sides, but yet there was, there was no threat there. I, I never came at him with a threatening message. Um, I learned early on that although Jesus is truth, like we as Christians do not have truth. Jesus has truth. God has truth. And if he's working in the lives of everybody, um, then I want to learn the truth that he is giving each person, including Shiloh. I wanted to learn the truth that God was teaching him. And so we kind of came at it from a mutual learning relationship rather than I'm the teacher and he's the student. It was, now tell me what you think and why. And so, um, I mean, trust was established pretty early on. We, we were pretty honest about everything. Um, and including what our struggles with about God. I mean, there's some pretty tough questions, mm -hmm. not just for Mormons to answer, there, but also for Christians. There are some tough ones, you betcha yes. there is. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, Kimberly said that um, I wasn't like any other Mormon. I want to point out that no Mormon is like any other Mormon. Mm. Yes. And when we talk about <laughs> Mormonism and, um, you know, in general or historically what it has been, uh, that, that's important to understand. But each person has their own unique experience and their own ideas and their own walk with God and, and we can't negate that God is working in each of those lives. So it's so important not to come at somebody thinking, I already know what you believe. In yes. fact, I know it better than you do and let me tell you what you actually believe because maybe they don't. Mm -hmm. And she, Kimberly didn't do that. She didn't say, 
um, well, it says this here, so you have to believe that, and let's argue about it. Mm -hmm. She asked well, me what let, I believe. Let's argue, right? Yeah. Right. And there, there are differing beliefs in the in the in spectrum of Mormonism. Oh, absolutely. Um, even if you took take a true blue Mormon from Salt Lake City and and compared what they believe with a true blue Mormon from, uh, say, Kansas City, exactly. they'd be different. Or, or a Mormon yes. from 1844. Right. Or a, exactly. Or a, in, someone in a fundamentalist group. In the, in the Mormons in the Mormon uh, polygamy. Yeah. There is many different viewpoints as there are people. But but we can take what the doctrine teaches and compare it with biblical doctrine. Yes. And yeah. we can say, wait a minute, there's mm -hmm. this is did you do that a lot? I did, but it it was more of a suggestion. I mean, I would ask a lot of questions um, and I would bring up points but only after there was already trust established. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, okay, this verse says this and you say you believe in the Bible, but this clearly points out you know, that X, Y, and Z isn't true in what you believe. Instead, it was more like, okay, explain to me your thoughts on what this verse says and what you believe and how the two interact. And oftentimes, his answer would completely surprise me. Hmm. And that's that was growing for me, too, because then it helped me get to know what his perspective was, how God was working in his life. Because, like he said, I didn't come in with any assumptions, or at least I tried not to. Mm -hmm. It's impossible to come in with, with yeah. none, but um, he broke through most of them. And so... I asked a lot of questions rather than necessarily providing answers, um, but then he would ask questions back. So it was more, it was more I confronted that through understanding him as an individual rather than understanding Mormonism on the whole. Mm -hmm. And again, that's good. That's a personable, personal touch to it, definitely, yeah. about that. And it made me think. It, it didn't put me back on the defensive. I didn't, uh, I, I, I actually felt like she was trying to speak truth in love. I actually felt the love. Uh -huh. um, and it made for some good conversations, and it, it made me start to, to question. Um, and I had always questioned. I always said, um, you know, I've, I've got to know for myself. I'd always been taught to do that, mm -hmm. and I, I've, I've always been a skeptic, so I would, I would really think through things. But I think at the end of the day, I, I always knew that if I really look at this totally without bias, then there's going to be a problem. I, I, I more came out as, I need to question so that I can learn more to, to prove what I know is true. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, learn as much as I can so that I can prove that it's true. But here I started to think, what if, what if I don't have this handle on truth? What if we don't have truth and God wrapped up in a ni nice little box? What if there's something outside of that? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we, I, I told my story before, I had all these amazing experiences with God and still saw everything through this filter. And for the first time I thought, what if I peek out from behind this filter? Yeah. And that was a scary thing because yeah. that means it is scary. maybe I'll end up having to leave everything I know. Yeah. Um, everything that I've always said I know is true. Um, I remember one day Kimberly said to me, you know, we were talking about things and I, I, was, I was just questioning more and more, but I, I was pushing away those questions because it's, it's attacking my testimony. I thought, because a testimony is, is, this is what I believe, yeah. whereas now I think a testimony is a story of God. Uh, yeah, but, it's your experience uh, yes. with God. You so are these things that were attacking my testimony, I try to push them away, but Kimberly said to me, if you really want to know what's true, wouldn't you want to see everything? Yeah, and that good was, question. That, that was the, good the, challenge. The, the time that I said, okay, I'm, I was scared to death. I was so scared to finally say, okay, okay, fine, I'll, I'll do it. And... Um, I think that once I was willing to see, that's when, that's when the walls started crumbling and falling down. And I, I, I would read the Bible with a, a with new understanding, and this explains so many of the things that I thought only Mormonism could explain. And I'd, I'd read some of the, the things in the Doctrine and Covenants or the Book of Mormon and, and say that I always had a question how that fit in with, with grace, 
maybe it doesn't. Um, it, it was a new world, and it was every every time that would happen, it was scary for me because growing up, I just thought I cannot ever leave. I have to stay strong mm -hmm, in what I believe, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but I want to be strong in in what is true, and I I don't think we'll ever reach absolute truth until we reach Jesus, but um, he's leading me along. <laughs> now, Jesus is the truth, and he so studying truth him, we're studying life. truth. Exactly. Uh, did you, did you, the two of you get t together a, a lot with Christian activities, with groups of people Absolutely. and Bible studies? Mm -hmm. and Community sure. was um, a huge deal, and I think, I think that, like Shiloh said, that we are the body of Christ, and because of that, we as a whole body represent him to others and the only way that we can grow is through community. I I strongly believe that community offers so many things. It offers the hope for unconditional love, it offers confession, it offers discipleship, um, mentorship, all sorts of things that we can't find on our own. Um, but I wanted to mention one other thing that, that I just remembered that was really important to me when I was talking to Shiloh um, before he ended up leaving was a metaphor of Christ and his bride, the church. And to me that's just this phenomenal um, example of what Jesus's love for us is because if Jesus's love is like a marriage um, then our marriage should be a metaphor of his love and if you're married to multiple women then how do how do each of those women interpret Jesus and so I I guess you could say I sort of honed in on how he viewed Jesus and I said does the Jesus you know um, only pay attention to you certain nights of the week? Or does the Jesus you know play favoritism? Or does the Jesus you know require you to do these things to receive love? And I had sort of this, um, I don't know if you'd call it a revelation. I, I've lived in Utah so long, that's the language I say. <laughs> but idea, maybe, uh -huh. of um, different different women and how they represent people. And so I, I said, it's almost like the people that live in the world that reject the gospel that Jesus is continually pursuing over and over and over again is like, the God in Hosea pursuing Gomer, Gomer mm -hmm. and they are the prostitute. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of it, the flip side, is the super legalistic rule following, needing to do all these things to, all these things to prove that you're good enough, you're good enough. And that is like the polygamist wife. So we have the prostitute and the polygamist wife. But the one in the middle is the beloved, mm -hmm. is the bride of Christ. And that is what the Christianity that I have found is. That is the Jesus that I right, have found is. Right. And so talking to him about that... Um, and how polygamy really doesn't provide a good example of Jesus' love to us. It doesn't, and Jesus only has one bride. Yes, exactly, exactly. He doesn't have many brides. And it was revolutionary to me because um, if the, 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 this was another step on that, that road to understanding God's unconditional love. Um, because if you think that you've got a handle on the truth and you've got it and somebody else doesn't, it's necessarily elitism. Um, thinking that, that I'm better than you are and that maybe my, my position, I'm, I'm, I'm in this better position because I've done something good. But when that breaks down, when you realize that God loves everybody regardless of what they've done, we no longer have to please Him. We just, we just need Him. He is what enables us to do anything good. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you can love the prostitute. You can love mm -hmm. the murderer. You can did. love the rapist. Yeah. You can love the worst people on the earth because God does, and He doesn't love you based on what you do. Right. But God's love draws them into recognizing their need for Him yes. rather than rejecting Him or, or going a different way. I'll do it my way kind of thing. I'll get to you by works when God says, no, you can only come to me mm -hmm. by grace. Mm -hmm. So uh, we need to make sure that we keep that, that um, uh, something that, that, that our listeners that understand that sure. works does not, right. does not uh, attract God's attention, exactly. only grace. I would say... Um, 
as a piece of advice to Christians out there that may or may not know Mormons but are trying to reach people in Utah, I would say the very first thing, rather than going to um, maybe doctrine, is to first introduce them to Jesus. Because I didn't have to introduce Shiloh to Jesus. He already knew who Jesus no, was. He, he already had an understanding of what grace was and love was. So then all I had to do really was say, so if you believe that, then, then this doesn't this. make sense. Mm -hmm. But if, if the Jesus they believe is the polygamous Jesus, um, in, in my metaphor of things, then first you need to introduce them to Jesus that is the, the bridegroom, Jesus, the, true the beloved. Jesus, yes. right. mm -hmm. true. And if they don't have that revelation of who Jesus is, then they're not going to have any context to interpret what you're saying when you're talking about love and grace. First introduce them to who Jesus is, I think. So your, your relationship went on for a while. How long before romance started entering <laughs> into this? Well, it, it, was, it was several months after we met, um, several months after, after we met that I... I guess left, or I had the. I finally said, "Okay, I'm willing to question," and it all came crumbling down, and I, I had this new freedom. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, it was a, a month or two after that that we first stated things. Before then, I, I, I kind of liked her. I, maybe she kind of <laughs> liked me. Um, my friends and family, a lot of them, I still think they probably believe that I left for Kimberly, because mm. uh, that happens. But you really left for Jesus. Oh, I absolutely. And then I, he gave you Kimberly. I, 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 and I'm not saying <laughs> that that I, I never had any interest there, but I had to. I was always like. I have to consciously think about not letting Kimberly be the influence. I need to find out what's true, regardless of, of my feelings for her. And I, I think that God honored That's that. Good. Um, That's good. There was good. a period of time where we were, we were separated, and I, I had some, uh, a month there to, to really heal and, uh -huh. and, and come through this before we ever got together. Mm -hmm. so, so would you agree that, that getting your uh, relationship with God uh, right getting a right relationship with him then puts all your other relationships uh, to where you can get right in those oh, definitely. as well. Definitely. And I, I always thought, um, as, a, as a Mormon and polygamist and eternal marriage, I thought, well, everything else is so shallow. I, I, I don't see how it could be as, as great. Um, once the scales fell from my eyes uh -huh. and I could see what our relationship is with God and He is our bridegroom and, and just how deep our relationship can be on this earth. Right. And uh, even for eternity, not, not married in the same sense that, that people believe that there's eternal marriage, we're, we're the bride of Christ for eternity, but we will all be there, known mm -hmm. and, and be known. And it exactly. was such a deeper love, yeah. and I was so excited about that. And uh, a million things, a million epiphanies that happened for me over these, these several no, months of just... Oh, well, then that means this. Oh, well, that means that this is how God works. And that, that God loves me like this. Yeah. It was amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> so how long before you decided that, that you wanted to be um, married? How long, before you, how long before you got married, and how long have you been married? Um, so we, we knew each other for a few months before he left, and then it was about one to two months before anything romantic was stated. Then we dated um, about for year. about a year before mm -hmm. we got married. And, and so we've been married eight months. Yep. And you've been married, so you're just still newlywed. Yes, yes I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, uh, in hearing your story, I, I do hope that this does encourage Christians um, who are watching to to take the initiative to reach out and ask God, perhaps, who He would have them go out and and maybe discipleship and 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 who they can reach to maybe someone stumbling over a particular doctrine or or stumbling over the, the fear of 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 making that that break, yeah. uh, getting rid of that filter is a kind of a scary thing. What, how, what would you say to encourage our, our Christian viewers to do this? Oh, um, I would say do, don't be afraid. Um, these are, they're people, <laughs> everyone out there, uh, believers and non-believers, right? they're all people 
looking for God and God is looking for them. So trust the work that he's doing and be his hands and feet and make friends with people, find that common ground and, and just love them. Uh, and I'm not saying don't, don't speak the truth. We definitely need to speak the truth, but do it in love. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's just as easy as a conversation with somebody, just as easy as making friends. Like that's, that's what our whole goal is of, at our church here is just to make friends with the people in the community, build relationships with them. That's why we do community outreaches. That's why we have these big block parties and do all sorts of fun stuff is because it provides a groundwork to build relationships and through relationships invite somebody over for dinner and then maybe you won't talk about Jesus right away but eventually eventually it'll get there um, so just have the boldness to make a new friend and the Bible does say in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ mm-hmm. yes. and so we do need to speak of him and model that that he God is in your life and he's working powerfully and you know other people who want God will recognize that mm-hmm. and know that. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, very quickly, Shiloh, you have a blog where you talk about truth. Would you like to talk a little bit about what you've got on there, about how yeah. uh, your philosophy, I think you say there's three categories of the various mechanisms to determine truth. What? Kimberly and I posted that together. Um, we were, we were, it started from a conversation and it got, it got so deep that we said, we've got to write some of this stuff down. And we thought, how... First of all, as, as um, you know, we're going out into the mission field, and how can we help encourage somebody to think in a different way if they've already think that they've got truth? Um, and then we thought, well, then how do we know that we've got truth? And we, we, yeah, we, we came up with a few mechanisms. You know, we, we read our, our scriptures. Um, we listen to the people around us. Um, we have our own prayer and our, our relationship with God. But then I thought, what about that guy out there who... His scriptures are the Quran, and maybe the people around him are telling him that Islam is the way. Um, how, how can we have to judge these based on something? Something made us choose the, the peers that we trust. Something um, made us choose the, the scriptures that we that we choose to live by, and something made us um, and our, our personal experience and our our revelations from God influence the entire thing. But the God doesn't just give us knowledge. He doesn't just zap us with truth when we, when we know that and pray. Our heart can be deceived. Mm-hmm. Um, God gives us wisdom as we're seeking to follow Him. But, um, you know, and I haven't ever even come up with, with the answer at the end of the day. Uh, <laughs> I believe what I believe because, uh, because the Bible makes sense to me. I found out that the Bible is very trustworthy, unlike mm-hmm. what, I, what I used to believe. Um, my experience with, uh, with the chasm that I talked about last week, where I was just so far from Christ and I felt Him picking me up mm-hmm. and telling me that it wasn't based on me. It was based on what he did that saved me. What? Those those right. experiences, all of that culminates together um, to help understand what truth is. So but I'm, I'm still on my way. I'm still seeking. That's that's the important part. And, the and most the important is, is to be seeking. And the seeking is the important, is to be able to seek. But people seek. I, I've known people who've said that they've sought truth, and they have come up with the most cockeyed ideas <laughs> in town because they were seeking not the right way, not the right way. I would places. tell them to keep seeking. So, but but God says, if you seek me, right, with all your heart, I will be found by you. So we need to seek the right thing. Yes. The right person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And right. As, as soon as you say, say, I've got it, and now I'm just, I, that this is what it is, and I'm ready to, to tell everybody else, and everybody else has to change to be just what I said, that's when you stop getting closer to God. Yeah. So no matter where we are, 
we're not Jesus yet. Uh, oh, we're, we're, we're not in the full presence of the Father yet. We've got to keep seeking. And then those people who truly are seeking, maybe they've found something crazy. If they keep seeking, God will find them. And and, and I also like the idea that Jesus, uh, people will ask, I, I get all kinds of, you know, some are good phone calls, some are nasty, some emails and so on. And some of them will say, so what makes you think you've got truth? Well, the only thing that I can say is I have Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, I am the truth. Mm -hmm. And so if I follow Jesus, then I'm following the mm -hmm. truth. And the only way to discover truth is to discover Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. And oh, you yeah. go in the Bible and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read about the other people who knew Jesus and what they say about him and what they teach about him and study Jesus. And if you study Jesus, you're studying the truth. Yes. Yes. We're not left here just to wander alone. God from the heavens came to earth embodied in a man and lived and died for us. Yeah. That's, That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It is. It is amazing. And uh, God died. Uh, in, in other religions, the requirement is that we die for God. But in Christianity, in the biblical story, God died for us. Mm -hmm. So it's a t total, total one. I think, I think that's why community and discipleship are so important because um, we can help people along their journey of seeking and help each other along our journey of seeking so that we're not just some far off thing way out in the middle of nowhere um, believing what we would consider crazy, um, but we, uh, that is just one of those things to determine truth is what do, what is your community of God say about that? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's why discipleship and community are important. So you're mm -hmm. not a one man person. Mm -hmm. And always use the Bible as your measure for truth. Okay. I guess we are at uh, probably time to break and, um, and give our, our message, our ministry message, and open up the phone lines. We'd love to hear from our viewers if you want to call in, ask questions, or make count comments, or, or discuss anything with our guests. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone number is 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. Be sure and turn your television volume down when you're on the air. We'd love uh, for you to do that. And so we uh, wait for your phone calls, and we have our message to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. 
And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And our special guests tonight are Shiloh Jessup. He was here last week talking about his journey out of the All Red Polygamy Group. And tonight, Kimberly Jessup, his wife, is here. And we've been talking about their experience together uh, uh, bringing Shiloh from um, the doctrine that he had been raised to believe in and, and bringing him and, and gracefully helping uh, Kimberly, helping him understand the biblical doctrine and uh, removing the filter that he had in his mind that you get when you grow up in a false religion. So we've been talking about their story and about truth is what we just talked about now that you have on your blog. And right now, uh, I'd like to mention our phone line's open, 801-973-TV20. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you if you have anything that you would like to add to our conversation. Uh, Kimberly also has a blog, and she has one that you, uh, you have one that you talk about, exploitation. Mm -hmm. um, you said there are two kinds of people in this world. Would you explain what you've got on there about that? Yes, you know, um, the inspiration for that actually came from uh, some of our human trafficking research that we've been doing. And... It's really easy. You hear these stories about these girls that have been in such horrible situations, um, and they're the victims. And then what these men and women um, that are adults that have done to these children, and it's really easy to hate those men and women and then find so much compassion for these young girls. But after reading you know, more and more about the stories of even those that are traffickers themselves, you realize these people were exploited once themselves as their children. Um, you know, the saying goes that often hurt people hurt people. And I realized even though right now this person may be exploiting and this person may be the one that's exploited, really they're one and the same because in reality, all of us, um, Shiloh said something to me once that really hit me that none, none of us have done anything better than crucified Jesus on the cross and none of us have done anything worse than crucified Jesus on the cross. So in reality, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, we're all in the same playing field. Um, and if I don't have compassion for the trafficker or the exploiter, then I can't really say I have a heart of the heart of Jesus because it's easy. It's easy to feel bad for the victim. And, and he dealt with the exploiter and the exploited. Yes. Now the definition of exploit. I, before we go further with the conversation, I thought I would bring up the definition of exploit is to unethically or unjustly take advantage of a person or a situation for selfish pur purpose or personal gain. Now, does that pretty much cover what, mm -hmm. what you're dealing when you yes, talk about definitely. exploiting? But now you so so now instead of two kinds of people, the exploiter and the exploited, you've you've narrowed that down to one. But you still maintain there's two kinds of yes. people. Who is this other? Um, who, what is this? I other? I named it the liberator. So we are all either exploiters. Um, well, we are all exploiters, and we are also all exploited based on the sin in this world. But yet we have one liberator that can it release us from that victimization? Can release us from um, victimizing, and he is, yeah, he is the separate one, is the liberator. Mm -hmm. 
And the, who is our model, our great model for yes, Jesus for, Christ for liberating? Yes. He, he's the greatest liberator of all time. He said um, before Jesus came in in Isaiah sixty one one, um, and Jesus quoted Isaiah when he was here, and this is what he quoted. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty mm -hmm. to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Mm -hmm. So Jesus came, and he claimed this scripture for himself, that he came to set people free, didn't mm -hmm. he? From, from, and from false doctrine. Yes. Not not just from being exploited, but from because that is exploiting in in the spiritual sense, false it is, doctrine. It is. Did you f feel like you had been exploited? Um, not not necessarily by individuals who were purposely trying to exploit me. Not at all. But um, I I felt a lot of liberation <laughs> once I let go of those things, um, realizing that I didn't have to do this or that to to please God. But also, I didn't have to do this or that at all. There were mm -hmm. some things that I told God wants you to do this. And he never did. And that was very freeing because, um, you know, we, we all say when you follow the laws of God, when you do what he commands, it, it is very freeing. It and is. here I was told that some of these things he was commanding, they didn't mesh with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I realized I didn't have to, then I realized, oh, all of the things that God does command are liberating. Yeah, they are. <laughs> the, and freedom is for our own safety, isn't it? And for the safety of, uh, mm -hmm. of others. Yeah. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it said, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we need to stand firm then and do not let ourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mm. And then verse 13, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Mm -hmm. In Christ, we're called to be free. Yes. We can't be free any other way. In Christ, we don't, we don't have to worry about male and female. We don't have to worry about tea and coffee. We don't have to worry <laughs> about Sabbath day. We don't have to do, worry about polygamy and celestial marriage. Mm -hmm. and we don't have to worry about all that stuff because Christ has set us free, yeah. and that's all we need to worry mm -hmm. about. So um, the FLDS, I think most people probably realize the FLDS has illegally transported uh, children from Canada to the United States and from the United States to Canada. And um, other polygamy groups have also um, transported people over the border of Mexico to the United States and back and forth. And over state lines, interstate lines, they've also taken children and moved them back and forth. And, and usually the, the, they take the young girls for sexual reasons um, and, and boys, young boys, they will take them for child labor and exploit them in that way. You're embarking on a ministry to the Philippines to help a different kind of exploitation, not the polygamy kind, but it's still the same kind, actually. Um, for, it's not for polygamy purposes, but for another kind. Mm -hmm. Would you explain to our viewers what you and, and Shiloh are planning on doing and give contact information, your website, um, your email, or whatever else in case our viewers would like more information? Um, yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're moving to um, Northern Manila and we're starting a rehabilitation center uh, for victims of human trafficking. And namely, it will be children. And right now, about 96,000 children are prostituted in the Philippines. And some of those are as young as three. So this is a very big problem. Um, and a lot of the men that take advantage of this are actually men that come from all around the world, including America. So this isn't a problem that is just in the Philippines. This occurs everywhere. And so um, what we're doing is uh, we're starting this safe home, basically, where we teach them mm. skills, teach them coping skills, and also um, eventually help them to be able to go out from there being equipped to not have to rely on that 
again ever. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you can tell about contact information. Well, one thing I wanted to add to that was that we have done a lot of research in this area and a lot of study and mm -hmm. a lot of prayer. And um, the way that people address this issue, these are girls who are being abducted or sold by their parents at a young age, nine yeah. years old, five years old, to be prostitutes for the rest of their lives. Um, it's a horrible situation, and people go in there to uh, take them out, to free them. We'll, we'll be there you know, literally freeing people who are enslaved, feeding people who are starving. That's great, but that doesn't break the cycle. Only Jesus Christ is mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is a true solution mm -hmm. who will stop human trafficking the eventually. Liberator. Yes, right. He is the liberator, and without that, um, they're they're really you're taking them from one chain, one prison, and putting them into another. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we could use uh, all the help that we can just by people discipling each other, evangelizing, yeah. um, living a life of example of of love for Jesus Christ fights human trafficking at the very root level. At the very root. <laughs> Give our viewers how they can contact you, your website. Yeah, uh, we, I think we're going to have it on the screen as well. Okay, we need all the help that we can get to get there. We are, um, our website is shilohandkimberly.com, www.shilohandkimberly.com. Our email is shilohandkimberly at gmail.com. And um, what we're doing right now is raising support. We need prayers, we need finances. So please um, prayerfully consider that. Give us a call. We'd love to come meet with people, do our presentation of what we're doing, um, and just partner with you in, in fighting this horrible travesty Wonderful. overseas. That's awesome. Good stuff. And the, the, it's, it's all the same thing, really. Uh, mm -hmm. Exploitation is exploitation. Right. Trafficking is trafficking, whether it's from the polygamy aspect or the uh, Philippines, what the problems that's going on there. Right. We still face the same problems that only Jesus can really free us out of. Thank you yes. so much. Thanks for your work, and God bless what you're doing. Thank we you. do have some phone calls, so let's uh, let's move on to those. Our first phone call is Terrell is calling from Salt Lake City. Uh, hello, Terrell. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. Yes. Yes. Terrell rather than Carol. Okay, Terrell. Um, interested in finding out if uh, uh, Christians uh, say that they you must believe in the Nicene Creed a lot of times to the three in one God, only one God, to uh, to qualify as having the right Jesus to to be saved. And uh, you know that came out in three twenty five, the Nicene Creed, and it's Athanasius. You familiar with Athanasius? Um, what has this got to do with tonight's show? What are what is your point? Oh, we're talking about Jesus, right? Uh, well, yes. Hey, you know, uh, Athanasius... Uh, you can go into the Bible, Terrell, and read all about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Nicene Creed had nothing to do with uh, determining who Jesus is. The Bible determines that. But, right, but a lot of uh, uh, born-again Christians will say that, uh, you know, you must believe in the Nicene Creed. Uh, I don't. I never run across a Christian that's ever said that. So I think well, that's a misconception. The question I have is, you know, Athanasius, who took part in the creed, also taught that uh, God became man so you can learn from a man how to become God. So uh, well, Athanasius was what, a early Christian belief, and I was just wanting to know if, if uh, why modern, a lot of modern Christians uh, say you must believe in the creed, the three in one God. But no, we I'm must believe in the Bible, uh, Terrell. We must I believe in the Bible, not in man. Whatever man says has to be held up with what God says, whether or not it's true. Do you get a lot of that about the Nicene Creed? We get it all the time. We're yeah. going to do a show on that to kind of clear this up because it's such a misconception. 
a question about David. He's in the song. He wrote the Psalms, right? Well, he wrote some of them, yes. Okay, um, so um, even though he flagged one of his soldiers and was a polygamist and ran around naked, uh, you guys don't rip the Psalms out of the Bible, right? Well, Terrell, I think this conversation is over. I don't think this is the direction that we need to go on the show. Thank you. Um, Karen from Richfield is calling. Line two. Hello, Karen. Hello, how are you? Hello, we're doing well, and you're on the air. Thank you. Um, my name, I'm Karen. I'm calling from Richfield, Utah, and I just wanted, I'm watching your show right now, and I think that you guys are totally awesome. Um, <laughs> I used to be LDS, and I live in an area that had SLDS. Um, all the cousins look the same. <laughs> laugh. Anyway, but I will tell you one thing. Um, until two years ago, I was LDS, and after that, I became a Christian. I figured out where God was, and He was in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is our Savior, and He died for us mm-hmm. on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you for your Thank you, testimony. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what a testimony is. Can you give me a favor is. and tell that young couple on there, I think that they're totally awesome, and I hope <laughs> they continue spreading the word and that they should do all they can to help all the people out there that are misconceived of all the evil people that are out there. So Thank I you. Thank you so much. Thank you, God, and, I, and I'm blessed for all of you. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for calling. You are encouraging. awesome. Um, so you heard that I don't have to tell you because you heard that (laughs) thank you so much now our first caller um, evidently he's he's not Christian and he doesn't believe that what we're saying is uh, is necessarily something that needs to be listened to but when he when he called and started talking about David running around naked and all that kind of stuff that's not that what this show is all about so right. we don't take the call and, and proceed with it but uh, if the man who called wants to really honestly talk about the Bible we have an email uh, tv at about polygamy.com and you're happy to discuss those things with us privately by email yeah. okay line three we have calling Maggie from Bountiful hello Maggie Maggie hello turn your tv down hello hello Maggie you're on the air hi um I always watch your show and I love it <laughs> thank you um I'm just very encouraged by um Mrs. Shiloh uh Kimberly is it? <laughs> yes. yes yes um well I was just telling the person who answered the phone that I um have a friend who's a Mormon and we met about a year ago in June because I was um on my way to Florida visiting family and um we just happened to me and I found him reading this green book and I figured, oh no. But you know, minding my own business, turns out he just talked to me for a while, he became very friendly. And I tried to explain the word of God as much as I could without being so pushy, you know? So um we maintained friendship, him and my husband and I and he keeps calling back, and we pray, and I always keep him in prayer, but, you know, for some reason, I kept thinking, am I doing something wrong? Because he just doesn't seem to, his heart is not getting softer, he's got divorced. 
I don't know how that works in the Mormon system. I thought they didn't get divorced, but, you know, it's kind of a mess. But he keeps calling back, and I was just always thinking, am I doing something wrong, Lord, because he's not receiving you, he's not receiving my word. And when I hear, um, Mrs. Shiloh, I keep forgetting your name, um, <laughs> talk about how she explained the word for him and the love that she used and the way she explained it with such kindness and nothing with argument, which I try to do, you know. We have, have invited him over many times to have dinner. I decided I'm not going to, you know, um, bombard him with the word of God because I just want to show friendship. Yeah. And so, but it led me to believe that I was showing too much friendship and not enough word. But now I just want to tell her I'm so encouraged by your <laughs> word and by the way you did things and and to know that, you know, God works in people's hearts and it's not up to me. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so I was just wondering, do you, did you read a book on it, on how to minister to people or was this just totally on God? Um kind of both I'll just let you speak. yes okay thank you Maggie okay. thank you Maggie um you know when I uh, before I came out to Utah I, w I wanted to be as educated as I could so I um, read a lot of information um I knew a lot about Joseph Smith I knew a lot about the standard beliefs and the the problem with that was I I soon found that I was then imposing what I read on the people I was talking to and a lot of times they didn't, they didn't even know what I was talking about because some of those things were, were buried or from things that were so long ago that that's not even talked about anymore. So really, um, I mean, the, the, the books that I read helped me in terms of being able to relate to them, but what helped me so much more was asking that person what they believed. And then from there, learning, you know, how, how we can talk about Jesus, how, how is Jesus reaching you? <clears throat> how can I introduce you to the freedom and love that I have in a way that you would understand instead of just reading a book and following it, um, I let that person be the book to me for each individual. Mm -hmm. And and also, uh, Maggie uh, talked about that he this person that he, she's dealing with just isn't isn't doesn't seem to budging, but, but she's using the word and she's praying, and that's the important thing. It's up to God to yeah. to move yeah. His yes, heart. It's so. not up to her. So and His yep. timing too. We mm -hmm. um, right. we just have to keep on. Keep on following God, and we can't we can't think it's about us. We're not here to save anybody, so don't get discouraged. Yeah. Um, be encouraged in your walk with Christ, and share with um, other people as much as you can, but never be discouraged. Right, right, right. I mean, because that's, that is God's, and you're praying, and that's good, so just keep up doing yeah. that. One, one more thing to add to that. Shiloh, um, I mean, I was lucky enough to see the fruit of his coming completely out of Mormonism, but that was after years and years of... Um, Christian sermons and others that had been pouring into his life that they didn't get to see the fruit, but I right. did. So even if you, um, Maggie or anybody else, they, you don't see the fruit of your love and your witness to people, uh, don't give up on that. And don't get discouraged because right. it's the Lord's so work. So the and, seeds and, and, and that's That's what Paul said. Yeah. That some people plant, other people right. water, exactly. but God is the one who makes it grow. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he uses, he uses people to help people. Mm -hmm. That's what he does, and that's what he did with you. He's, and it, that's what he's doing with this show, and he's been doing it with you. And we can all, uh, somebody told me uh, as a new Christian that we all should go around like this all the time as Christians. I'm reaching up for somebody up that can help me, and I'm reaching down yes. to help somebody yes. who, can help, yes. who needs to be helped. That's really good. Because none of us have it. arrived, none of us have made it, but we can always be helpful Amen. and be helped. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it <laughs> just is never an end. Um, it looks like our phone lines are full, but we don't have anybody there ready. 
ready yet. So uh, let me ask a question. Are you at this point totally and completely convinced that polygamy is not God's will for marriage? I am. I, I believe that it's, it's very clear, um, both, both in the Word of God, in Genesis, in um, Ephesians, we're, we're given the example of a godly marriage, we're given how to do a godly marriage. Um, we also have anecdotal evidence of what marriages don't work with Abraham, with Solomon, with David. Um, and, but just through, through life experience and through the Word of God, I'm completely convinced that God's design for marriage is for one man and one woman. He made us in a one-to-one ratio. There are the same number of men on the earth as mm-hmm. there are women. Um, God doesn't design that any man should, um, should perish, nor that uh, anybody has to be alone. Um, and, and then just the, 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 the number one thing that convinces me is Jesus' relationship with his bride. She's mm-hmm. his only love, and he loves her completely, and he doesn't have to, to share that or divide it between anybody. That's true. Um, we, I don't know how much we talked about this last week. I, I don't know if we even can remember if we even got into it, but you talked about the ratio of births 50-50. What happens in these closed communities like the AUB, the FLDS, the Kingston group, where, where they intermarry with each other and yet uh, one man will have several wives? What happens to the, the, the boys that, that aren't I, getting the wives? I think I mentioned before, you, you got three things that happen. The, the men leave. Um, the age gap between the men and the women uh, steadily grows, and you have just a, a growing pool of bachelors within the group. And all three of those will happen. Uh, sometimes there'll be a lot. In, in some groups, maybe they kick them, the boys out. Um, in, in the group where I grew up, all three of those were kind of happening. Not that anybody was kicked out. Men tended to leave. Uh, there, there tended to be a growing pool of bachelors, and the, the age gap between men and women in marriage did tend to grow, and that, that's mathematics, that's uh, socioeconomics, that's how it has to be. <laughs> that's, that's the way, it's, yeah, that's the way it has to be, as long as the ratio stays. And we were told that, um, you know, there, there are more women in the celestial kingdom than men, which doesn't make sense to me. We were told that... How um, would they know? Does God give them a, God will a, take, a population count? Yeah, exactly. We were told that God will take care of it. There are a lot more... Um, girls born here than boys, which wasn't true. When I looked at the stats, it wasn't yeah, true at all. True. Or more girls will join, which it wasn't true. Anybody who joined was usually a, a couple, which would add a man to the to the pool, but not a woman. Um, and, and that is what happens, is, is you're going to have those three things, and, and eventually they're going to reach a point where people have to leave. They have to go somewhere There's else some, to convert people. Something has to happen, a conversion yeah. or something like that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, a quick work. off-the-air question. Have you ever written a book? No. It's it's kind of, we we blog and we want to. We do want to eventually. It's definitely, um, Shiloh's always been excited about that and we have a lot of thoughts to put on paper, but maybe uh, maybe someday. Well, when yeah. you get your experience in uh, the Philippines and some of what's <laughs> going to be going on, keep a journal and a diary so that you can oh, write no. a book when, mm-hmm. when the time comes. Well, we certainly uh, enjoy having you both on the Thank show, so and we appreciate what you've said and what you've done. And uh, congratulations for coming out of the Allred Group and for still having a good relationship with your That's friends right. and family. Mm-hmm. And thank, thank you, you, Kimberly, for... Uh, for taking the time with him, yes. and I'm sure that you are both grateful um, yes, that happened. So, um, the purpose of our show, of course, is to reveal the false doctrines and the activity that polygamy groups use that ultimately leads their members away into eternal death. And Proverbs 24, 11, and 12 tells us to rescue those who are being led away into death. Our guests tonight are embarking on a ministry into a foreign com- uh, country, especially to help rescue children who cannot help themselves. Human trafficking, no matter the reason for it or who is 
doing it is wrong. And it's not only wrong based on international standards, but it's wrong based on God's standards. By the means of being a creator, it is God only who can claim ownership of any human being. And by reason of redemption, it is Jesus Christ who purchased our souls by paying the penalty for every sin of every human. Now, don't misunderstand. Not everyone will be saved. Not everyone will be redeemed because not everyone will admit they need it. And, be, and many of them want to go out and, and, and uh, devise their own means and ways of uh, redemption. But you know, God watches out for the souls of children and human traffickers need to beware. They are messing with God's little ones. Jesus said it's better that a millstone be tied around their necks and be dumped into the bottom of the sea than to lead one of the little ones to astray. God's mercy is available to all guilty persons who will turn to him uh, and confess their sin and guilt and trust in Jesus as a redeemer and ask him for forgiveness. We know that many polygamists watch our show and we appeal to you now instead of raising your children to become what you think they should be. We urge you to raise them and find out what God wants them to be. And we are here to assure you that God doesn't want them to be in polygamy because God never in all of history or in the Bible has ever asked anyone to ever be a polygamist. Thanks for watching and good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again. Mm -hmm.